news is news. Everybody thinks we've we've all worked in this on the circuits and seen contracts come and go. News is ongoing and it's getting bigger. The coverage is getting bigger. That's for sure. Welcome to the Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Working in media protection, today we're delighted to welcome founder of Cosane Consultancy, Ken Perry, to the Circuit Magazine podcast. John Moss and myself uh, are delighted to welcome him on because I think this is a key area a lot of people don't quite understand. What do you think we're going to get out of today, John? Well, we're going to get a look at what it's like to work in this really specialized sector of the industry. So, you know, there's going to be some stuff that's familiar to all of us within protection across the board. And it's probably going to be, you know, not so much the textbook stuff, but the other little parts of our job that you don't necessarily think about when you're on your training course and when you're in your early transition, it, it's the other parts that we bolt on to make ourselves valuable and uh, valuable to that, uh, the, the, that client and also useful in the environment. And in this situation, the client is very different and the environment is different uh, to most of us outside of hostile protection. Because this is a very different skill set and operation than a traditional protective role. People are going towards the danger. The The goal is to get the story. It's to be in harm's way. And, and I guess that's a very difficult position for the protector, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It goes against everything, all of your natural inclinations, you know, as a protector and here's the thing if you've if you've transitioned from the military as most people do who go into that line of work then actually you're, you're probably slightly better cut out for it and the sooner the transition from the military uh probably the better equipped you are and the reason i say that is because you know in the military we are going towards danger in many cases and so it's only when we come into security and the longer you build your career as a security advisor, a consultant, a protector, we are always trying to remove the client from danger. Now, if you do that with the press, with journalists, they're never going to get their job done. They're not going to get the story and you're not going to stay long in employment, I wouldn't imagine. That's a tricky balance. Yeah, you think saying no to a high net worth principle is difficult. This is sort of now counterintuitive for the for the for the role of protecting media. Um, so yeah, great friend of the industry, great friend of the Circuit Magazine and the Association. Um, wonderful. We're we're very much looking forward to hearing from Ken Perry, founder Cosine Consultancy, on working in media security. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. (music) 
media protection for the journalist community. Today, John Moss and myself are delighted to welcome Ken Perry, founder of Cosane Consultancy, to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much, guys. A pleasure uh, being here, and thank you for having me on. It's 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 wonderful to have you on, and, and also bringing the pages of the magazine to life with this very podcast. So, media protection. Let's go into our three quick fire questions. What's the biggest challenge we're trying to solve here? What's what's wrong that you know needs a solution right now? I think over recent years, I've been doing media protection since uh, you know 2010, early 2010. I think over the kind of last five, four to five years, there's been a big um, spike in the threat towards journalists. A lot of that's to do with the fake news narratives that have came out. Certainly, some of the bigger networks are are more targeted for that, um, and generally. You know the the whole online abuse, which gets can can be followed up when journalists are out on the ground as well. So that's why I think now and 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 recent events in Ukraine, the demand for um protection within the journalist circles, whether it be print journalists or uh, news networks, it's it's greatly increased. And and then well, what about you? You know, where does your passion for this uh, come from? So uh, my first job was the Haitian earthquake back in twenty ten. I'd just been out there previously in, in Haiti, um, just doing a kind of run-of-the-mill close protection, executive protection role. Um, I left, uh, luckily, just before the earthquake happened. And I got an opportunity through various kind of networks of, I got a call to go back out and work for a large American news network in Haiti. Um, and I noticed straight away that there was, you know, there was no courses back then to, to be trained and working. I just had a kind of, learn as we went along and, and and certainly with the guys that I, I was working with at the time. But I, yeah, I noticed quite quickly that was a, a different set of a skill set needed to work with uh, journalists back then, you know, and, and certainly, you know, the attraction to it as well is that, um, you know, over the 12 plus years that I've been involved in it, you really, you get to witness moments in history firsthand. Absolutely. No, that's, that's very striking. And I, I can imagine that many protectors maybe they're they're already an ep uh might be drawn to this uh type of work uh, for for that very reason uh so so then for them for the for the uninitiated those who have not dipped their toes in the water and and don't know about this field um wh- what do you think they should better understand before uh trying to to get into it well um you know on the courses that i teach i, I kind of advise the guys when they come in before they start the course is kind of take the post protection executive protection head off and set it aside for a little bit. Um, you know, the skill set that's required to work with 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 journalists is is you know kind of completely different from close protection or executive protection. And the reason for that is is that you're you you know you're a one man band. You you're there to you know help the guys produce the story on the ground as well, which you know can um can be from helping the cameraman out to get a, a picture, get a shot, get a good satellite um a connection for for live shots so it's you know actually a very um small amount of time is is needed to actually give security advice and do security on the ground but to be successful working within the team you've got to like go in with a kind of varied attitude to helping the correspondent the the fixer the producer whoever that may be yeah it's really interesting that ken so you know what you're saying there is you, there's there's no room to be passive on this sort of gig, right? You you need to be very proactive and ready to roll your sleeves up and get involved 
in the job there, which I mean, you know, is something that we should all take that kind of mindset, regardless of the sector that we work in. But, you know, one of the points that you alluded to there, quite often, you know, you're on the ground on your own. You're not part of a team necessarily, or yes, you are part of a team, but it's not a security team. So, you know, that, that makes us realize that, okay, teamwork, it's got to be a big skill set. Is that something you can speak to? Is that something that, you know, you found in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, working with uh, most news teams, the personalities are quite similar. You know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, correspondents who have got a lot of pressure on them to, to make live shots and, and, and get their lines right and for doing reports and that type of thing. So, you know, the correspondent has a different personality than that, let's say, the producer or the cameraman. It's very high paced, very high stress for the for the for the guys on the ground when they have to meet, you know, live shot deadlines and and, and live shot locations and getting signals and that that sort of stuff. So wherever you can can help any one of those individuals, you know, successfully do their job, it's it breaks down barriers very quickly. Um, and just integrate you as part of the team. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, journalists are a very different type of client. Uh, you know, when you consider the traits, I mean, th these these are uh, guys and gods who have to put themselves at great risk to get out there, to get the story, which, you know, that must be a nightmare for a protector. I mean, how do you deal with that? How do you prepare yourself for that kind of shift in dynamic for that type of client? Um, you know, you've got to get your head into the story straight away. If I get, and it's fast paced. You know, it's uh, most most of the guys that work for GoCN, they're probably on 30 minutes notice to move. They get the phone calls, you know, a narrative that I use is breaking news, waits for no one. You've got to go, you've got to be ready to go. Um, as soon as you get ready to go, find out where you're going is just, um, you know, as soon as I hit the airport, I switch off from my own personal life and get straight in to the story. Um, and over the years, I've been educated by journalists on how to um, gather information, using social media the right way, that type of thing. So the, the more you can bring to the party before you meet the actual team, where it be on, on location or in an airport like Heathrow or whatever it may be, um, and just add a little bit of value and, and help them achieve their aims. That's um, you know, as you know, alluded to before. That's 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 the name of the game and um, making them hopefully get a successful story. Yeah, I can see that uh, it's the type of work that your skill set is going to develop a lot during the time that you're involved in this sector and doing this work. And if you're working yeah. at it regularly, you know, you, you you're going to learn a lot as you said, you know, on the job and also from the client itself, which I think is a fairly unique uh, sector in that regard when we consider, you know, that doesn't really happen so much in any other form of protection. Um, but, you know, that said, you've got to start off somewhere. So, you, you know, you were fortunate, as you say, you know, you're in the right place at the right time to get your lucky break. But, you know, if you're looking to get into the industry, to break into the industry, what are the fundamental skills that you need to have in your toolkit from day one to start? And where can you go to harness and to acquire those skills? Um, well, first of all, um, you know, we teach, I, I wrote and developed a media safety advisors course actually during COVID. And this is before Ukraine happened. And 
that was just using my kind of um, experience and skills that I've learned over the over the years and, and put it down on paper. Um, that was fairly successful up until, you know, January, Ukraine happens. I deployed out to Ukraine in, in, in January and um, I had to rewrite the course once I, once I came back after a couple of months out there. So obviously doing a course prepares you as well, but um, little things like, you know, when you're there, you're primarily, well, you are the, you're the team medic. So anything happens, you're the first person that's going to deal with a casualty or, or an injury. So, I mean, my biggest advice is, is, is people that keep up their med skill sets uh, doing, you know, upgrading certainly to the frac qualification. That's what all the major news networks are looking for. They're looking for um, guys and girls really to be minimum frac three um, and, and frac four. That that's that's the deciding factor for a lot of the networks to um to employ people. Now, whether I'll be back watch on the streets of London, something we're dealing with at the moment at, at the moment. Unfortunately, the Queen's um, you know, uh, funeral and what's going on there. There's a lot of back watchers in London two days ago myself and just seen how many back watchers are on the ground. So potentially that's what news networks look for. They look for people who have uh, done some some form of course, like a media safety advisors course. Or um no it's not or but additionally the the med med skill sets are very very important um qualification to have and and so and so can I be interested to 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 learn because you know we do get fan mail about the tactical medic versus paramedic debate we we do get fan mail about that um <laughs> so 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 obviously operating in London um there are certain considerations restrictions and and things like that. Um, uh, but operating in a hot zone, or maybe operating in the DRC um, or, or car, it, it's a very different ball game. So these skill sets are very, very desirable. But but are there any limitations um, given the, the the legal framework? Um, no, there's not. I know, I kind of know what um, the question you're asking, and and you know if you're in the the middle of the DRC where where I've been before and. You know, there's there's no med good medical infrastructure uh, around. Uh, you, I mean, you're the, you're the only only person that's going to treat that casualty until you get them back. So you know things about. I know there's a, a lot of legalities about putting drips in, giving medication, that sort of stuff. Working, you know, in the likes of the UK or certainly parts of Europe and stuff. But you know, you will go into the more remote areas and and even certain places, not certain places, but actually in in Ukraine right now. Uh, given the threat that's over there, there are no limitations, really. I mean, if you're going to save a life and you do whatever is necessary to save a life, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, you know that's 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 great. That's great work, and and great if you have that skill set. Um, but then but then let me reconcile that because earlier you said that you know sometimes you have to put your EP hat down, or or maybe you advise people to 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 put their EP hat down. Um, how how does that work in practice? Um, I think what you know, once you go on the ground, it's uh, the reason why you know I, I I advise that to the people who come on the course. It's you know, it's you a small percentage of your time is going to be spent spent actually doing security work, standing around a camera, that type of thing. It's you're there more to help the production of the job. So if you've got to run and and get a cameraman a cup of coffee or a meal and set it down in front of them, because these guys literally forget how to eat and drink because they're so busy, um, so stressed getting, get, you know, uh, trying to put a package together that's got to go out for a deadline. Um, those small things go a long way in building up relationships and making the team work. 
um, dealing with local drivers and fixers, making sure they're included as a part of the team. You're just trying to bring balance to the force, so to speak, you know, um, dealing with financial matters, going to buy, you know, rations if you need them and preparing vehicles going out the next day, um, writing risk assessments, massively important um, right now and, and, and well, any, in any environment, but more so in, in Ukraine right now. Our guys develop um, every time they move, they've got to write a risk assessment. And those risk assessments go right to the top of the news channels, to the head of the, you know, international news uh, before a move can be can be cleared to go. So you actually, when you get on the ground and work with the news team, it's extremely busy, extremely busy, you know, um, and, and that's just part of making it work. And then, especially in Ukraine right now, the amount of hardware that's being used in Ukraine you know, the Ukrainians are being supplied weapons from all over the Western world. Um, often reporters will, will, will look at you and say, well, what's the capability of that weapon? And you need to know it. So constantly educating yourself on different weapon systems and capabilities and tactics. And you know, and there's a big threat comes from the air as well, drones, that type of thing. So, you know, yeah, on a daily basis, you're a very busy person. Yeah, that sounds sounds um, quite quite challenging, quite dynamic, um, especially especially in Ukraine right now. Um, yeah. Does it help then if you have a military background? Um, is 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 that the type type of audience we're, we're going to really talk to with this podcast, or could could it could it be learnt from someone that's been a generalist? Okay, I mean that there's that you know that's a pretty straightforward that answer to that question. If you're going to work in I'd like to work in Ukraine without a military background. Forget about it. You, it, you know, no news teams would would take on anybody that hasn't got a military background for that reason. Understanding military tactics on the grounds, that type of thing. But that said, um, we have had guys working in you know the Champions League final, the Europa League final, um, on the streets of London right now. You know, covering the the whole um, the Queen's funeral and that type of thing. So. Doing the backwatch, there's, you know, you have the hostile environment deployments, which, you know, are typically Ukraine, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, the backwatching capability and, and and doing large events like that, I mean, you don't need to be military for that. And we teach that again on the courses and how to work in riots and demonstrations, um, you know, with, with the amount of demonstrations that you get, you know, in the year, whether it be Extinction Rebellion or, you know, we have Brexit wrecks, uh, demonstrations, that type of thing. I mean, you don't need to be ex-military for that. So Ken, uh, historically, you know, this is an area that I think it's fair to say has been dominated by former SF. And I mean, is, is that something you would agree with, first of all? Yeah, absolutely, John. When I first started, it was, uh, you know, mainly um, SF or, you know, kind of elite units you know, within, you know, like SFSG or our or, or Marines or, or Parachute Regiment, that type of thing. However, that said, the, one of the reasons why I wrote the course is that, you know, I was going back to my clients and they were wanting the gold star option of, you know, an ex-Parachute Regiment guy or ex, you know, sort of SF guy. Um, and, and the threats got so big and the need for security has got so, so big also. It's, that there's just not enough people to go around. So that's why, you know, I kind of wrote the course. But and and when you look at it, what have we been dealing with over the last 20 years? Afghanistan, Iraq, 
So there's a lot of non-SF uh, guys and girls out there with a hell of a lot of operational knowledge that can bring lots to the table, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. So would you say that this is a trend that's here to stay? So what I'm thinking about is any listeners, you know, who might not be working in this area, but might have half an eye on it. Is this a safe area for them to start investing in, you know, getting the training under their belt, you know, trying to take on some work in this area? Is it going to endure? I think so. Um, you know, with the clients that I work for, I, I, I spoke to some of them and was, you know, said, you know, in place of, I mean, how do we get a foot on the ladder in most most areas? It's, it's quite quite hard to do. So I spoke to my client and said, look, you know, if I bring, write this course, show this course, the modules that are containing it, and if they set that course, would you accept that in place of experience? And they said, yeah. So, and about 90% of the people I've got in the grounds now in Ukraine and other areas never had that experience before. So I think and once, once I mean, Ukraine's a good a, a, a good place to get started and get a couple of, uh, you know, experiences on the CV and stuff. Um, and after that, I mean, news is news. Everybody thinks you know, we've, we've all worked in this, on the circuit so, and seen contracts come and go. News is ongoing and it's getting bigger. The coverage is, get, is getting bigger. That's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, in, just thinking about that transition period, you know, uh, it's it's not necessarily going to happen overnight. So have you got any tips for, you know, what protectors can do to stay patient? And, and also, at what point, you know, maybe they should look and think, well, maybe I'm actually not suited for this line of work. Um, you know, how, how do they recognize whether they're the right person for the job and they just need to be persistent, you know, or if, if they're just you know, fundamentally not suited for this type of work? Yeah, well, you know, the news business is not for the faint-hearted, certainly. Um, you know, the, the more hostile frontline stuff. I think if anybody that's going to, and, I, and I'm quite honest with any any people that I d- deploy on the grounds, you know, you're going into a situation where you are going to face in- incidents. There's no doubt about it. And it's not a natural thing to go towards the trouble when everybody else is, is leaving the trouble. So, Somebody has to be very honest with themselves before they go down that road. Is that are they, you know, willing and prepared to go to a frontline situation, um, or into the middle of, of a riot situation with a news team? You know, it can be quite unnerving. That's that's for sure. So, I mean, that, that's a conversation somebody needs to have with themselves. Um, and I think you're you're quite right what you said there. Also, John, it's, it's you've got to keep persistent. I've had you know people um, come to me and you know asking for for a job and. And it's, it, you know, it's very much at, at the right time to, to get on there. And um, and and some people, I review their CVs and say, well, maybe you want to, you know, go on, um, and do, you know, invest in a better a better medical qualification. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a daily challenge. People come, they, you know, they say, well, what about FPOS? I've done FPOS or I've done a MARA course. And the simple fact is, is that, you know, the client gets with <laughs> What the client wants in the stipulation with all the big news networks is that the FREC course, uh, FREC three, FREC four course is, is what they want. Um, and I've and I've spoken, you know, the the guys and said, look, you know, you need to do a FREC course. They have went away and and, and invested in themselves in in that course. So, um, yeah, medicals, you know, I've, I've said it before, it's it's a huge part of of whether you get deployed or not, you know. 
So from your perspective, Ken, as, as a training provider yourself, mm -hmm. what advice can you give to our listeners who are looking for a course, you know, and, and what, what are the kind of things that they should be taking into account to assess whether that training provider is going to adequately prepare them for this type of work? Um, I mean, obviously the course content going, going by, you know, reviews off, off that trainer or whatever, but, um, you know, the sheer sort of fact off it is, John, is that there's, there's not many people out there, um, providing this type of training, you know, it's, it's very hard to come by that, that specifically on, on what you need to do on the ground, you operate with it, with the media team. It's, you know, that, um, the kind of media safety, it's always been there in the backgrounds and nobody's really been able to break into it because like you you know you said earlier it was predominantly for the sf kind of community but the need and the demands for security with um news teams for insurance purposes for you know danger purposes it's it's just got really big over the, i mean certainly over the last last year so um yeah and to kind of answer your question it's you know investing in it in a training course of, of you know maybe safety training courses it, it helps quite a lot. I mean, there's, you know, there are people out there that have kind of, like myself, got a lucky break and and, and got in with the news team. Um, but, you know, that's 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 just luck, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So 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 Ken, I think it'd be it'd be great for us and and especially our listeners to 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 look at a day in the life of a protector in a media environment and 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 the way in which they interact with with journalists because you know it, it has been possible in, in other podcasts to talk about when to say no or yes but i know that was a tricky as a tricky thing to say to a, to a to an executive but as as john said and as you said you know running towards danger um can you can you paint a picture of how that plays out in a, in a day in the life of a of a media protector yeah i mean it's um you know if you think it's hard trying to say to an executive no I mean, you want to check out journalists, <laughs> you know, you're going straight into the thick of the action. So, you know, a, typ a typical day would be the day before um, the, the the safety advisor would write a risk assessment. So you'd speak to the correspondent, get a favor of where they're going to do what they're, what, what, what they're there to achieve. And, you know, we're, we, we safety advisors are not interested in what they're at, in the editorial side of life. We're just interested in getting them where they need to go and and as safe as possible. So the risk assessment would be would be written. Um, that would be sent in the night before, or sometimes you know a half an hour before you, you you move off. It just depends on the story. That would be reviewed and then reviewed, and then you'd set off on that on that particular task. On that particular task, you know the safety advisor he's check navigating to towards where they need to get to, uh, checking the wires, so to speak, social media speaking to other consultants on the grounds and getting the flavor of what's happening in that area where they're going to go to. So that's, that's hugely important. And I'm, I'm backfeeding that to the, to the correspondents and the producer, um, and just, you know, move towards that area, get to the area, get it set up, assess the situation, um, check out what the situational awareness is huge part of, 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 of that as well as, uh, speaking to the, the, the local driver, the local fixer, getting their perspective, um and you know basically getting out there and trying to do the job speak to the cameraman does the cameraman want you to carry some sort of equipment with them you know spare batteries tripod whatever that may be 
and then dealing with things like checkpoints, you know, and it's all very much, then you go into like kind of, you know, the military style kind of actions on, you know, that type of thing. Um, Get out there and get the story done. And usually, you know, I've found when the teams are going out on a job, they kind of like to relax a little bit because once they've finished that shoot and they've got that, um, the material that they want, as soon as they get in that vehicle or they're coming back to the base location, these guys just work at a pace at 100 miles an hour because they have to put that package together. So they, you know, these guys are coming under a huge amount of stress and anything um, you can do to make their life a little bit easier and a little bit smoother um, really does go a long way. Which is why, you know, from the beginning when I teach the courses, I tell, you know, the guys and the girls just take that kind of coach protection head off a little bit and understands the function of what each person does in a team. The producer has a certain, um, you know, um, function, the cameraman, obviously, and the, and, and the correspondent. And you can help them out in a little way, uh, in your own way, which which really goes down well and helps the team achieve their aims. And, and and in trying to you know be be a fixer be be an enabler you know obviously that that that's got innate business value and and they can definitely see uh, the value in in, in what you're doing but yeah. on the other side do you ever find that there's a temptation to stop them being in harm's way or being collateral damage now i'm beating around the bush a little bit because in yeah. january of a given year there was an incident where some journalists were targeted by actors who were, you know, public sector. And that's an issue because obviously that's your client and they're in harm's way and they're potentially in collateral, collateral damage ter territory. And yeah. is that somewhere where you step in and say, right, actually, no. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I've had it many times throughout my my career where you have to step in but you know before you do that and you do say no you've really got to do your homework and explain to these guys why you're saying no you know putting that you know that it's you know it's operation certain deaths so if you go down a certain roads to get a certain you know piece of piece of footage or or whatever it may be um and, and in my experience you know it comes to a point where you do explain it and you explain the risks and highlight the risks um and, and and still they want to go. Well, you know, it gets to a point where you have to look at your own self-preservation and think, okay, well, you know, if we, we go to achieve, you know, you try to achieve what you're trying to do this way, you know, it's, we're certainly going to, you know, get into the, um, get in the territory of either being injured or being killed. So, you know, um, if certainly I've had it on occasions where I've just thought that's, that's too much for me. And I'll politely say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to take that risk and, you know, you don't want to become become the story. You know, you want to get the story, not become the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and every time I've laid that out and, and laid a, you know, my my reasons for for that decision, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, you know, they, the the journalists will listen to that. Uh, I love that answer there, Ken. I mean, it takes me back to my time working in hostile environments, particularly thinking about Afghanistan here, running a security team and you're working with effectively civilians you know who are coming across and working in a war zone still trying to do a job and i, I come up against a lot of uh friction and pushback in in that role and i also observed how some of my peers 
were going about this job and, and a lot of them, especially those who were, uh, you know, fresh out of the military, had this idea that you could simply say no and the authority of your position meant that that was it, conversation closed, that's it done, I said no, you're not going out and that's it, end of story. And I see these people not uh, having the kind of longevity in the position that maybe they assumed they would have when they first started work. And, and I think, you know, that really speaks to that point of not only, you know, yeah, you've, you've got to do your assessments, you've got to understand the risk, but you also need to be able to communicate the reason why. So you need to do your research and you need to be able to communicate that. And then you have to have your ego in check to be able to get a contrasting opinion back and be able to handle that. And, you know, I think that's something that uh, everyone could do well to learn as early in their journey as possible. It's, it, that's a fantastic point. No, absolutely, John. Um, I mean, I can draw back to 2014. I was in Gaza with, um, you know, a, a news network, a major news network. I'd never been in Gaza before. And the correspondent that I was working with had a huge amount of experience, like 20 years experience of being in Gaza. Um, and, you know, it, it, you know you, you'd mentioned about ego. And that's certainly one thing you can't carry into the, into, into working with journalists, bringing it, you know, a kind of ego with you, because you're dealing with, um, you're dealing with people who have been, you know, working in hostile environments for, you know, 30, 40 years. And in some cases, you know, that I've uh, some real senior journalists that I've worked for and certainly drawn back to my time in Gaza, you know, I was going, I was, I was asking the correspondent a lot of security questions about Gaza and actually taking advice off him and learned a hell of a lot about the people, the ground, you know, the, the area that we were operating in. Um, you know, if you walk them with some sort of ego, it's just, yeah, you're, you're done for, you know. Um, but, you know, they're just on this conversation. There is, there is a chain of command, so to speak, within the networks as well. You know, most of the networks, they have what we call the desk or um, in American terms, they call it the bridge in some cases. And that really is what, what the, like the foreign desk um, and the reporting. That's for us to understand, that's like the option in the military terms. So every time the journalists move, usually it's the producer, they have to feed back to the desk of where they're going and what they're going to do. Um, and if you come into a situation where, you know, they want to go, but you don't think it's right, you can always refer back to the desk and explain to the desk. Because it happens, you know, it's a fact of life. You get a clash of personalities. You get correspondents that particularly don't want, you know, they sometimes they see having media security with them as a bit of a block to what they want to do. So, you know, that's, you've got to build a relationship up there because you're going against the tide some, in some cases where they just see you there as the, to stop them from what they're doing. And so so building up um, relationships, again, is, is really important and managing personalities. But, um, yeah, you know, talking about going back to the desk, which I've done a lot of times and, and explains, you know, I don't think it's a good reason we go here because of, you know, ABC. You know, the desk can kind of handle it and, and interject and say, well, okay, we don't want you to do that story today or whatever it may be, you know. And so with that, in that, in that context, um, and, and you mentioned before, you know, got to be prepared, got to be able to do their research. Um, of course, there'll be all sorts of wonderful intelligence feeds that you can buy and subscribe to and, uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, protest intelligence and, and this and that. But 
is yeah. it is it really just to get started do you, would you say to them get an economist subscription or uh, buy the odd ft or, or something like that is is it as simple as that to get them going with current affairs or or is there something more specialized they should be looking at i that's a great question i mean we, we you know it's there's different newsletters out there which <laughs> some of them are not gonna 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 mention which are worth be- watching better than others you know staying up what you know what i do as is, is that you know I'm not, I don't have to stick glued to the news all day. There are certain channels that I'll watch and I'll browse around um, and see what's, what's potentially happening in the world. I mean, Twitter, you can't really get anything better than a subscription to, 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 to look on Twitter and what's going on in the world. And if I see, you know, something potentially kind of bubbling somewhere, then I'll focus in on that area a little bit more and, and try and find out what, you know, what's going on, what the threat is, that type of thing. So, if you do get that call um, to go anywhere, then half the battles know what's what's actually going on in, in, in that country. You know, just getting yourself sort of started a little bit. Um, I think, I think you know, how do you get on this? I mean, the, big, the biggest opportunity, I think, in recent times is certainly what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, there's a, a lot of people that have been deployed in Ukraine that have never worked in the, in the media security industry before. Um, and... You know, constantly keeping up to date on you know what's going on over there. It's that's it's 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 huge to to, to to get your knowledge of of that place. You know, and and on top of the knowledge of that place, I suppose the ability to get there. Maybe not not Ukraine. It's probably not going to apply there. Um, but should should they take the preemptive step of going? You know what? This is probably an area of lots of work. I'm going to get myself a visa. Um, or a multi-entry visa or, or something like that or is or is this all done very much on the hoof sorted out by your 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 employer um the agency um or or, or is it something that a protector could go do you know what that that's an opportunity uh you just meant you just raised a really good point there um you know getting a visa for instance a multi-entry visa or whatever if you've got that ability to do so um for for some countries you know if you contact many of the different um companies that hire guys to go out and do media security you know if you phone them up you tell them you've got you've got a visa in place you've got like let's say you need inoculations to go in certain companies now if you've got that in place your your med um skills and your certificates are up to date i mean those guys that will just that will get you a job straight away you know they'll um rather than wait for somebody to get a visa and I, i've done it in the past myself actually you know, got myself visa up for certain countries or had that visa already in my passport and the ability to move quite quickly. I take it there wasn't many anti-vaxxers uh, working in media safety then? <laughs> no, no. It's, it, you know, you got to compromise your morals if you want to, if you want to work really, you know. Um, and I, you know, we, when COVID came around, certainly said that to a lot of guys. It's like, well, you know, whether you're anti-vax or not, if you want to work, you got to take that job. You know, because that's the that was not so much nice. It's kind of fading out a little bit, but um, yeah, you know, you, that's certainly that was a big requirement. You have to be, you know, kind of double jabbed and booster and all that kind of thing. And if you weren't, they'd just go to the next person and take the next person who's available. You know, yeah. And and to kind of perhaps end this off with how we started, which is uh, referencing your article in the latest edition of the Circuit Magazine. In that article, you list some great points, uh, 12 points about how to break into the industry and, you know, be be successful and stay in it. 
And the one that really catches my eye is uh, the final point that you made there, uh, have a sense of humour. And knowing you as well as I do, I know that's something that uh, you wouldn't have struggled with yourself. But have you got any tips uh, for anyone else who's, who's, you know, coming into the industry? Uh, I mean, you know, you're going to, you got to walk, you walk in and there you're going to, you're going to walk if you've never worked in that, in this area of the industry before, you're going to be, um, a, a, listen, it can be quite daunting for a lot of people. They go in and work with, a, you know, a big correspondent who's well known. You've maybe seen them yourself on TV quite a lot. And now you're working with them. You got to build that rapport and ultimately, you know, you've got to give them advice if they, you know, if it's needed. Um, and, you know, breaking down the barriers, um, the, the social barriers within the team um, and just knowing you're going to be working in a high tense environment and, and, and don't take things personally. I've been screamed at by cameramen, by producers, by correspondents and, and took it on the chin, but you know, got them back later on for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Love it. Well, well, absolutely. You've, you've painted a great picture. I'm, I'm sure there'll be people who have not considered it before and are now very much considering it, uh, as well as people who have, you know, they need your guidance. They need a course such as yours to, to sort of get in there. Um, but uh, but yeah, how, how could people get in touch with you uh, as, uh, as, as the weeks and months go forward? Um, on the website, really, we, uh, we regularly post, um, of courses on on our website and you know they're open to everybody and anybody and i've designed the course in such a way that we cover both aspects of it so we'll cover the whole kind of back watch um being able to work in riots and demonstrations and and you know covering the events of, of, that's going on in london now and up to the to the other end of planning like a you know a frontline operate daily operation in in, in the likes of ukraine um yeah about we're running a course, I think, on the 26th, 27th of this month. Um, and what, what we'll, we also do, we also train freelance journalists as well. And that's a great way for us to keep our kind of currency up of um, of, of training, you know, guys and girls that, that work in media, with media, as a media safety advisor as well. Fantastic. Well, um, you know, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for thank writing you. the article. Um, I, I, I love this dynamic and I, and, I, and I think there's there's more to explore. There's more to explore, isn't there, John? Yeah, for sure. It's It's been so good. You know, we could have kept on going easily for another hour. Maybe we'll have to get Ken back if he's got Absolutely. time. He's a busy Pleasure. guy. <laughs> yeah. Pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, look forward to the next time. Well, thanks very much. And this has been a fantastic look at media protection and journalist safety. So uh, from John and myself, thank you very much, uh, Ken. This has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. Thank you very much to Ken Perry founder of Cosen Consultancy, great friend of the magazine, the association. And you know what? I think this is a new pivot for the protector because as we said at the beginning, this is exactly the opposite direction. You're going towards danger. You're trying to not ever say no to media and journalists. And and I wonder if this has piqued a few people's interest, John. What, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, <laughs> we... <laughs> This, this is one of those jobs that kind of falls into that sexy role, isn't it? Or at least it is in the imagination. I think uh, Ken might have dispelled a little bit of that with stories of 
making cups of tea for camera crew and, and so on. But, you know, it's great to get a real picture of what it's like to be on the ground. And, you know, it, it, it's absolutely essential for anybody thinking about going into this line of work that you need to understand the, uh, you know, the, the kind of bricks and mortar of it. You need to be aware that you're going to have to leave your ego at the door and be prepared to muck in and, and be a part of a team. And also be be prepared to do a lot of current affairs reading, maybe sometimes with no specific goal in mind. Maybe it's, I mean, he he, he, he didn't want to uh, send us down onto any particular publication, but I, th I think a wide range of reading around the world, current affairs, uh, given that at any one stage, one of those uh, stories will develop and, and and then that's you getting in there. So 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 that's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Because if I was working for a Fortune 500 company, I'd do my research. I'd understand what they do. But 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 this is this is a lot broader. Um, how 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 beyond reading the newspaper do you think we can sort of solve that, John? Well, I've got an easy answer for that, and it does feel like you've set me up for this. But you know, <laughs> the Circuit Magazine and and uh, through the associations, you know, we we provide uh, a daily brief. So we're collating news from all over the world. This is not our interpretation of it. We're we're just collecting all of the main headlines what's going on and, and a lot of it it's so it's not news about bodyguards or what's happening in the world of close protection or anything like that necessarily but it is the current affairs of what's going on around the world the things that might be impacting our principles our clients you know ourselves and you know just so that we've got a general awareness at all times and then you know we build upon that with the weekly newsletter and we have a really in-depth feature in that provided by our partners at Stratfor, which is a fantastic service in, in that, that, you know, that's another service that if you want to pay money for, that, that's a fantastic one. And then on top of that, we also then put out the magazine. And of course the magazine, you know, has a whole section dedicated to uh, global situation reports. So again, you know, it's wherever, whatever your trusted source is, you know, find that, make sure it's comprehensive, you know, and covers the whole spectrum. Because as we found out there with Ken, you know, you never know where you're going to be. And, and I think Ken said, you know, he has his guys on 30 minutes uh, notice to move, which is incredible, especially if you don't know where you're going to be moving to, you know, so you have to be able to get up to speed very fast and you know, become an asset to those guys and girls on the ground. They're relying on you. And, and that asset, that facilitator, that's that's an interesting role because because there are a lot of protectors that, you know, you know, dabble in concierge services and, uh, you know, helping helping out in other ways. But this seems the all rounder position, but also one of the most challenging one, because you don't know where the threat's coming from. Who who are they? They're not typical. They're not this. They're not that. They're not, they're not public, private. They're, they're, they're everything and nothing. It's 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 a very dynamic situation, which hopefully our listeners will warm to and uh, and reach out to Ken because, of course, he, he does run uh, his uh, very you know respected course, and 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 I think that's a good that's a good entry point um, into 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 that world. Um, but you mentioned the magazine and you mentioned uh, all of our other work. And, and so it would be remiss of me not to once again uh, invite people uh, next week uh, on the afternoon of the 27th of September. They're very welcome to come to our circuit magazine meetup in the Keeper Brook Green pub behind Kensington Olympia. 
uh, why we're doing it there and then, because that is, of course, uh, right next to the International Security Expo, uh, where uh, we are a media partner, aren't we, uh, with the association? Um, so, 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 absolutely, they should come stop by. I'm there from 4 p.m. onwards uh, on the 27th of September. Uh, but uh, what else do we have coming up? Because you know, we we we've just launched uh, the magazine not uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, what uh, what's next on the horizon? Yeah, so this is a busy time when we're, uh, you know, putting together the next issue when we're trying to you know build a, a theme and a feel, and obviously looking out for good quality articles. So you know, if you're interested, if there's something burning on your mind, if you think there's something we haven't covered recently in the magazine, then either let us know your thoughts, what you want to hear more of, or indeed write it yourself and send it in to us. Wonderful. And we'll, and we'll help, you know, you could be first time writer, we'll help. Um, or you could be long time, uh, long term contributor as well. Um, so, so, so very much looking forward to that. Um, date for diary. Is it too early for me to do an extra date for diary for January? Is January too far away? Or is it fast coming around the corner? You've gone there now. <laughs> all right, all right. 26th of January, the 8th Annual Executive Security Closed Protection Technology Forum in London, Grand Cornet Rooms. Please add that to your dates for diary. It does not clash with the World Economic Forum. I'm sure of that. And it is very much, uh, you know, an event uh, on the calendar to include. So that's 26th of January. However, that doesn't preclude you coming to see us next week on the 27th of September at the Keep of Brook Green. So thank you very much to Ken Perry, CEO and founder of Cosane Consultancy for talking about this crucial and fascinating media safety and security protection topic. Uh, from John Moss and myself, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.